to the Eye on the U podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I am joined this week by Michelle Kaufman, our Miami basketball beat writer for the Herald. Michelle, how's it going? It's going fine. It's been an unusually exciting week to be the University of Miami basketball beat writer. Probably it, the most everyone, exciting in like three years, right? Yeah, it, it's all of a sudden they were relevant and they were being talked about on ESPN and uh, it was kind of exciting for a few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be joined by, uh, I'll be joined by Susan Miller-Degnan in the second half of the episode to do the second half of our spring football preview. But um, I guess Miami basketball season's probably over unless they go to like the CIT or something. I don't even know if those things are happening this year, but yeah, um, I think it's over. I, yeah, think, I think it definitely <laughs> ended today. Yeah. Um, so we figured good time to kind of check in. Uh, it was obviously it's been a rough couple of years for the program. And this season I think was, it, it feels like every year has basically been the same the last three years, but today, this year, especially with COVID and just the uncertainty all around the country, it felt kind of like to come to a head this year. Um, but like you said, these last three days were really fun. Um, they've had some fun games, but this is definitely the best stretch of basketball they've played. So I guess I want to start there. What what did they do these three days in Greensboro so well that they just kind of weren't able to sustain it all throughout the course of, you know, 20 plus regular season games? Yeah, it really started. Uh, it started with senior night against Boston yeah, College last point, week. Actually. They, they played a great game um, in the senior game and, you know, Cam McGusty and Nasir Brooks, Nasir Brooks had a career high and Cam McGusty was one shy of a career high. And all of a sudden the seniors just got super motivated. Um, the guys on the bench were very motivated in that game, just jumping up and down and cheering a lot. There was just all of a sudden, I don't know from where it came. I kept asking over the last few days, uh, where was this the whole season? <laughs> where were you guys? This is, it was still the same six guys. It's yeah. not like all of a sudden they got a whole bunch of new legs. These are the same six guys who have been playing all season and struggling all season. And they just got this boost of energy, enthusiasm, and confidence that followed. I think, you know, Nasir Brooks breaking out in that Boston mm-hmm. college game was, was really infectious. He's been, he's been a vocal leader and a spiritual leader of the team all season. And even last year when he was sitting for the transfer rule, yeah. He's always been a really vocal guy and a leader, but he hadn't really produced that much on the court, especially offensively. And it uh, wasn't rebounding great either. And all of a sudden, Boston College game, he goes nuts, gets 21 points, and then came into this tournament just so fired up. And I think, you know, he gave the opponents somebody else that they had to worry about. They, they re- mainly were worried about Isaiah Wong. Right. And all of a sudden, they now had to worry about him. And then Cam McGusty, the last few games also, he had 25 today. He had, you know, 27 against Boston College. So, you know, those two seniors really, really stepped up. And then Isaiah Wong today just, you know, was covered great by Alvarado and, and ran out of gas at the end. I mean, he missed free throws. He put up two air balls, which he never does. He had 20 points against Pitt. He had 20 points against Clemson. And then today, Georgia Tech really shut him down. He only had 12 yeah. points. He struggled. He put up some air balls. He missed free throws. Um, you know, but overall, the way they played in the tournament was, you know, absolutely the best basketball they've played, starting with the Boston College game, senior night, and then going into the tournament. Uh, these are the best four games of basketball they've played all year. Mm-hmm. So spinning this forward to next year, it's kind of interesting to talk about because I think a lot of, uh, you know, I, I think there's reasons for optimism going into next year. And I think a lot of those reasons for optimism are 
you know, um, Earl Timberlake getting healthy and, and playing a full season. Um, I don't know if Chris likes will be back, but he can come back and uh, it's not, he's not going to get drafted obviously. And, you know, after this season, I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to play at Miami or elsewhere next year. Um, but there were, you know, like you said, Isaiah Wong, I think has like really taken a leap. Um, I guess Cameron McGust, like so those seniors who you mentioned, like Nazir Brooks and Cam McGusty theoretically could come back next year. What does this run mean going forward to next year? Like, can they, can some of this carry over or is the, I don't know, are Nazir and, and Cam, are they guaranteed to be, yeah, Cam will play professional somewhere when he's finished here. So is yeah, he, they both, like, yeah, we asked them, you know, they both have, everyone is saying the same thing that they're going to yeah. make their decisions in April. They're going to make their mm. decisions in the next few weeks. Um, you know, Nasir Brooks, uh, he's already 24 years old. Right. Um, you know, he's been around for a long time. He was at Cincinnati, then here, sat out. He's a really smart guy. He was academic all ACC. He was the only UM player who made the yeah. all academic team. So I think he has options. He's a great chef. Um, he wants to open a restaurant. He wants to be a chef. He's a really good student. So he'll have options. But I mean, the way he played, uh, you know, who knows if he would want to come back. Everyone gets a free pass this year right. because of COVID. Uh, Cam Mcgusty, I would think, is probably done. Um, yeah, he'll go for, he, even if he's not in the NBA or G League next year. He's a he'll play overseas or something. I think he would play somewhere and he'll be done. Yeah. Chris Likes is, you know, a big mystery man this year. I don't know what in the world happened with him. He sprained his ankle. It, it, they said he's coming back. He's coming back. And then he wouldn't come back. He would practice. And then he would, on the day of the game, he wouldn't play. Uh, he didn't even make the trip to the ACC tournament. He right. stayed back. He had an internship to finish. You know, it's possible he could come back and get his master's degree. He is going to graduate in May. He's, he's you know, scheduled to graduate. Yeah. He's also a good student. Um, he could come back and get a master's degree. I've also heard rumors that he's transferring. So, you know, now with the transfer portal, it's going to be going insane. Uh, the extra year pass, it's really hard to know. Every single player, pretty much regardless of what year they are, has a choice now between staying, transferring, or turning pro. So, uh, you know, I don't really know who's coming back. I think Isaiah Wong is coming back, Earl Timberlake, Anthony Walker, Harlan Beverly, you know, they've got a couple of, uh, you know, recruits coming in, Nassim Poplar and Ja'Kai Robinson. Um, I think the big question mark is Chris Likes. Yeah, I agree. You know, this guy was supposed to be, he was first team all ACC. first team all ACC, yeah, in the preseason. First team all ACC preseason. And then he basically played two games and stopped on December 4th and we never saw or heard from him again. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the biggest question people are going to have is, is Chris Likes coming back? Yeah, if, if he comes back to me, there's reasons, not just for optimism, but like that this team could be a top 25 type of team, because I think him and Isaiah Wong would be pretty much as good an offensive backcourt as you'll find in the ACC. Um, you know, depth has obviously been probably the single biggest issue for Miami the last few years. I think the transfer portal honestly might help that because Miami has historically been very good in the transfer market. And, they done, they've done great yeah. with transfers. They had, they got Cam McGusty through a transfer. They got Nasir Brooks and Elijah Alanui. Uh, you know, we didn't even mention him yeah. today, but Elijah Alanui ended up having a great year. Uh, and he was also a transfer from Stony Brook of all places. Like who would think that guy would be one of the key players on the yeah. team. So I think they'll have a, I mean, who knows if people get injured again and all that, but I think they should have close to a, full roster or at least like an eight man rotation instead of rolling with six every game, which obviously is, uh, is not sustainable. 
Um, Earl Timberlake didn't play, obviously had the injury uh, midway through the year, Had didn't play very much. Can he be, let's say what Chris doesn't come back. Can he and Isaiah Wong be the foundation of a, of a team that gets back to the tournament? Oh, I think so for sure. I mean, I think Isaiah Wong is, you know, yeah, he's one of the best players in the ACC. I mean, he was named third team, which yeah, is pretty amazing. Won, like, he made, four third, games. He <laughs> like, made third team all ACC, you know, on the worst team, you know, in the league or whatever, yeah. second worst behind Boston College. So, you know, Isaiah Wong has great promise. He just, he got so much better from last year to this year and uh, has really hit a stride at the end of the season now. So, you know, I think he has a great, great future. Earl Timberlake came in as an all-star and, you know, the little bit that he played, I mean, he's got a really developed, you know, physical body and Mm -hmm. he didn't, you know, he didn't look like a freshman. He looked like an upperclassman. So I think he can be a really good player. Anthony Walker really came out also the last few games with the, again, starting with the Boston college game, they, they showed him a video of Bruce Brown and they told him to watch Bruce Brown. They made a special highlight video of Bruce Brown because they felt that he can play a lot like him. And they asked him to watch Bruce Brown and see what he does. And that was just before the Boston College game. So that little video, I don't know if it inspired him, taught him, whatever, but he's had a really good end of the season too. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's reason for promise. Harlan Beverly, you know, he came in mm-hmm. with, with a lot of promise and, you know, he also got injured. Right. So um, I think there's a lot of good talent coming back. Um if Chris likes come back, I think they have a great chance to be a, a tournament team. I guess the big question everyone has is what basically big picture state of the program three, three years now where it's been really rough since that uh, basically since the loss to Loyola Chicago with that, that really good team that just ended up you know being a victim to one of the, the signature upsets of the last couple of years. Um, and it's, basically been in a struggle to recapture what Miami basketball had for basically the 10 years prior. How hot is Jim Laranaga's seat? Do you think going into next season? I don't think it's hot. I think they love him in the athletic department. You know, I know there are fans out there. Like, ah, he's old, get him out of there. You know um, I don't think he's going anywhere next year. No, you know, next year, if they have a horrible year again, you no. know, then this will definitely come up. I think for now they're still very committed to him. You know, he, he won for seven years in a row. He took him to two sweet 16s over four years. I mean, he did so many good things and he's still the same guy and he still has the same, basically, you know, Chris Caputo at his side, you know? Um, so I think the FBI investigation really hurt them through yep. two rounds, two rounds of recruiting. I really think it affected them through two rounds of recruiting. And then the injuries last year and this, you know, I asked him point blank, is there something wrong with your strength and conditioning coach? Because I've never seen a team yeah. that has this many injuries. I, I don't know. Three straight years, basically. Yeah. I said, what is the deal with your strength? You know, I don't know the guy. I hate to like put somebody down. Right. I've never met, talked to him, but you just have to ask the question, is that the problem? And he said, no, he said, it's absolutely not that these were freak injuries this year that, you know, a sprained ankle, you know, that Chris likes, who's going to think that a sprained ankle on December 4th is going to keep the guy out for the year. He said that Earl Timberlake's injury is some very strange abscess. He had something in his shoulder that was also very strange. Uh, Sam Wardenberg's injury, his foot injury was also some kind of weird thing. So coach L would not in any way blame the strength and conditioning program. 
Um, I still have my questions. I mean, I just think it's not just one year. It was also last year, yeah. the year before. I just, it seems like a broken record to say, oh, UM with so many injuries and they could only practice with seven. They could only practice with nine. They could only practice with eight. It just seems like the same storyline over and over. Um, so, you know, if you're not going to blame Coach L and he's still, you know, doing what he does and he's getting some good recruits and had good talent this year, then why was everybody injured? I don't know. Uh, I don't think he's on the hot seat. I think the UM athletic department loves him at least for next year. Um, I don't see them making a change. I think they're going to, you know, keep him and hope, especially with this run they just did right here. If they had lost in the first game of the ACC tournament, there would be much more disappointment, but the little run they made here was really impressive considering who they had on the, on the floor and uh, you know, playing a, a walk on significant minutes in the first half. Um, so I think coach L is back and I think, uh, you know, he's got a big challenge to turn things around next year because the fans are getting impatient. There's no question. The fans are getting antsy and I understand why, but I don't think that coach L is going anywhere just yet. Yeah. I, I honestly forgot Sam Wardenberg was supposed to be on this team because that was like right. before the season even started. Right. I think he had the foot injury. Yeah. He was another starter. I mean, basically, I guess he's another guy who could theoretically be come back next year too. I mean, you he never could. know with all these transfers. I'm sure guys will be in and out, but yeah, they've got a they've got a, a core of five, six guys with real experience potentially coming back. Plus, you know, another good recruiting class with multiple top 100 kids in it. Yeah, so probably yeah. a transfer or two that they'll find. Yeah, so if they stay healthy, the big if the last few years, if these guys are all healthy next year, Old Timberlake, Isaiah Wong, Anthony Walker, Harlan Beverly. If, you know, Chris Likes comes back or if Sam Wardenberg comes back, you know, and then you've got the, uh, you know, the, the recruits coming in. I mean, I think there's there's definitely promise for next year. All right, Michelle, thanks for coming on. Uh, you can follow Michelle on Twitter at Kauf Sports. Do I have that right? K-A-U-F Sports. Um, you can check out all her coverage from the ACC tournament this week. And uh, it's Inter-Miami season pretty much now too, right? You slide right yes, into that. Yes, it is. It's Inter-Miami season and Miami Open Tennis. This oh, is yeah, Miami new, Open Tennis coming up too. My when new that world um, coming up. The Miami Open Tennis starts March 22nd, so a week from Monday. All right. So, uh, yeah, Michelle, busy time of the year for Michelle. Uh, check her out on Twitter. It's my March Madness, yes. <laughs> exactly. It's a good thing Miami's not in uh, March Madness. Yeah, if they'd gone a little, I was starting to be like, okay, fun for them. But if they go a little farther, my life's going to get very, very complicated. Yes. But it was fun. It really was fun. And they, they're good guys on this team. They're really nice guys. And they work so hard. And, you know, Nasir Brooks and Isaiah Wong, these are good people. And I was really happy to see them, to see them do well. Mm-hmm. All right, Michelle, thanks again for coming on. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll talk to you uh sometime soon because hopefully next season will be a little bit more uh, interesting in the Miami basketball world. All right. Thanks for having me. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, we are back, and uh, Susan Miller-Degnan is now with us uh, to do part two of our spring football preview, looking at the defense. Uh, Last week, we talked about the offense, um, which to me was not a totally interesting conversation. Just I I feel like we really kind of know a lot about what is going to be coming on offense beyond the the quarterback situation with De'Ara King out. The defense is kind of really where I think a lot of the intrigue lies. Very different, obviously, than a lot of the last couple of years. Um, where obviously last year was Brett Lashley coming in, just the last couple of years have obviously been new offensive coordinators, and and that side of the ball is under much more scrutiny. Uh, this year it's the defense that has all the new coaches. I, I think we're going to see a lot of overturn in, in the starting lineup, obviously with the Jalen and Quincy gone most notably. Um, so I've got five uh, big questions written out, um, not, not things necessarily we have the answer to, uh, but like last week, just kind of the five storylines, the five questions I'm most uh, looking to see get answered in these next couple of weeks. Um, so uh, let's just jump right into it if you're ready, unless you have any other uh, kind of big picture thoughts on the defense. No, I mean, just uh, it's funny how, I mean, things change, right? Yeah, yeah very fast. Very We're fast. Excited. <laughs> We're excited about the offense now and uh, we big question mark on the defense. Yeah. So to me, the biggest, the single biggest question we're going to be facing over the next few weeks here is who's going to start at defensive end. I mentioned Jalen and Quincy, obviously both gone to the NFL. Both will probably Jalen basically lock to get picked in the first round. Uh, Quincy Roche seems like he'll probably be a second day pick, maybe early on the third day. Uh, but either way, those two guys are all American, you know, former all Americans who are, who are leaving right. um, and leaving Miami with a huge void there. My hunch is DeAndre Johnson is going to start at one of the spots. He had a good season last year at Tennessee. I think he's an even better fit as a defensive end, whereas he was kind of a linebacker at uh, Tennessee. And I I think thought maybe he was being played a little bit out of position just because of their scheme. Uh, But that other spot is pretty open competition, I think. And really, like I said, I think both spots are pretty open competition. I just, I get the feeling that DeAndre Johnson is going to start, but that, that other spot, it's, Really, really wide open. Obviously, Jafari Harvey and, and Cam uh, Williams both started the bowl game. You've got Zach McLeod moving from linebacker to defensive end. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's going to be a, that, that that spot's going to be really interesting to watch. Um, you know, we're not going to probably yeah, get a is. lot of practice, but just to talk about as as we go forward these next few weeks. And and you kind of it makes you feel like uh, maybe it's not always good when you have three great players. <laughs> At one position, right? And they're all leaving to go to the pros at once. Yeah, and they were, I mean, as we kind of talked about this throughout the year with, with Todd Shroud and and Blake Baker and, and Manny, is uh, Jalen and Quincy were so good that um, yeah. they really were the only ones who played at defense. And, you know, a lot of years Miami um, rotates at that spot either because there's some really impressive reserve like thinking like when John Garvin was kind of the third guy a few years back um, or just, you know, I mean, Jalen and Quincy plus obviously Greg Rousseau is you kind of hinted at uh, who obviously didn't play last year. Like those are uh, three 
defensive players who are as good of defensive players as Miami has had. Um, I don't know, pretty much in the Manny Diaz, Mark Richt era, right? Like if you're ranking all the guys they've had on defense, those three are probably all in the top five or so. And yeah. it, it, yeah. there's just no room for, for the bench guys to play. Yeah, absolutely true. Uh, and which then makes you really nervous for this year because they're, they're already, and we're going to talk about the linebackers week at linebacker. And, and then you have, and now you have, you know, new guys at defensive end. I mean, Jafari Harvey uh, is a guy that, uh, I mean, I, I think we all know he has a lot of talent, Yeah. Um, you know, but again, we, you know, we've just got to see, he's a very hard hitter. Uh, he had five tackles for loss this year. Um, but you know, he, I obviously needs to, needs to play more, uh, Cam Williams is, is another guy that, yeah. uh, you know, he played in 10 games, uh, but these guys didn't have, they didn't. Yeah. They were like under 10 snaps. They, they all played in a lot of games, but it was like under 10 snaps a game. Yeah. I mean, he had nine tackles for the yeah. season, right. And one and a half tackles for loss and not that he did. He had one quarterback hurry. I, we're talking about Cam Williams. There's just, um, Chance Williams. Yep, he's interesting too. He was a really highly touted incoming freshman, but came in like kind of really thin. He clearly was a guy who was going to need a year to develop. Yeah, and he played. He only played in I think four games. He had two. <laughs> so it's really, I mean, at least at least this past year, you knew that the the, the DNs uh, and the defensive line could kind of uh, make up for the what they were lacking behind them. Yeah. Um, but now, wow, I mean, and, and then, and when you look at the, you know, North Carolina game and they gave up all those, you know, all the games that they gave up so many, you know, rushing yards and yards period. Uh, um, I think all these guys just question mark across the board everywhere, it seems. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I think, you know, we talked about this when Jess Simpson got hired that, the one year he coached was the year that Gerald Willis had a monster season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's clearly like, is a guy who can get the most out of defensive tackles, which I think is good because this is a really good, talented group of defensive tackles. But obviously, you know, John Ford is kind of the nose guy. Nesta Silvera had a breakout season. Obviously Jared Harrison hunt uh, before he got hurt was having a monster year. And then even like throwing in like Leonard Taylor, um, who I would like be shocked if he doesn't play once he gets to campus in the summer. Right. But the defensive end, they're going to need that because the defensive ends, as you mentioned, there's a lot of question marks there. And uh, I think Jabari Harvey is kind of the one who interests me most from that group. Um, I think Cam and Chance both came in as, I don't want to say necessarily projects because they were good high school players. And Chance in particular, I think was like a top 100 recruit coming out of high school. But those guys were more interesting because of their tools, like because they were really these big, lanky guys. Jafari Harvey was, you know, I remember um, you know, Larry Bluestein. I, I never saw Jafari play because he's from up in Vero Beach, but Larry Bluestein, who really covers the whole state. Um, I remember him like really being high on Jafari Harvey, having seen him in person more often. Um, and, you know, he was really productive in high school. He's obviously a really good athlete, as you mentioned. He's the guy that I look at as, as the guy who is the one I think has the best chance to like kind of take a leap from being, um, you know, mostly a non-factor last year to being like the next great Miami defensive end. 
For sure. And I do think DeAndre Johnson, the Tennessee transfer, um, I, 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 I don't see how he doesn't start on the other side. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's, you know, he's obviously a veteran. He was productive at Tennessee. And again, I think kind of playing out of position as an outside linebacker there. I think he's better suited to be a defensive end, um, which is, I'm sure, part of why he's back at Miami um, and, and not at Tennessee. So he's just going to be steady, I think. I, I don't know if he has that star potential in the way that, you know, every Miami defensive line the last couple of years has had an, an NFL guy. Um, I think you might have to look for a guy like Jafari Harvey or Cam Williams or even Chance Williams to be the one who who breaks out and gives them that star edge rusher. But but DeAndre Johnson, I think, is just going to be really solid. Um, you mentioned it, but I think the number two biggest question is uh, what's this linebacker group going to look like? Who is going to play there? Technically, they bring back um, all their starters, right? Like Bradley Jennings is back. Wayman, Wayman Steed is back. Uh, Zach McLeod is back, although moving to defensive end. And I think that's also maybe not a great sign for the defensive ends that, you know, they're moving Zach McLeod there. Although maybe it's also, so it seems like it's also a lot of Zach knowing that he's kind of been being passed over at linebacker. Um, I, I think he kind of, he, he interests me as a little bit of a viper kind of guy, like who could maybe um, stay, be a stand up edge rusher who can also cover a little bit, like we, we've seen them do with like Quincy Roche and. Uh, Greg Rousseau in the last couple of years. But yeah, that linebacker spot, it's a lot of guys who have played uh, Corey Flagg, Sam Brooks, but no one who has really been all that impressive over a consistent basis. Um, the, no. I, I think no. that is, you know, in a way, even though they bring back a lot, like I said, a lot of guys with starting experience there, to me, it kind of feels like the most upper grabs position where I wouldn't be surprised if Bradley Jennings is starting again. Uh, and Wayman Steed and they go with the veterans and I wouldn't be surprised if like Avery Huff and Tyreek Austin Cave two guys who pretty much haven't played are, are the starting linebackers like I think it really yeah. could go in any direction uh, for sure and Sam Brooks I think was had some injuries yeah last year and um and yeah, Brad- some guys missed time with COVID like there's there a whole lot of that was a position where a lot of different guys had to start because of injuries because of COVID because um, because they weren't performing, like I, I would, I don't know off the top of my head, but I would think like five different guys might have started at linebacker last year. And Not s- even kind some of, of those guys at the end of the season, man, like I, we were talking about all the rushing yardage they were giving up. Bradley Jennings, yeah, um, was struggling. Uh, at some points, he didn't seem like he knew what was going on, and um, just uh, wow. The more I think about it. Um, the more I think it's probably good that Manny Diaz has taken over as defensive coordinator, but I don't know how much he can, you know, he can't change personnel. Yeah. And I think part of the problem there is I think Manny's ideal of a linebacker, um, you know, Shaq Quarterman being like the prime example and Michael Pinckney, like uh-huh. that's almost an outdated model where those guys are, run stoppers first and by that I mean they're guys who get downhill like like even Bradley Jennings had quite a few tackles for loss last season I don't know what he finished with but he's probably among the team leaders from a middle linebacker spot um that's what he's good at you know he's big a wide you know big wide school middle linebacker who runs up the middle and shoots the gap and tries to hit a guy in the backfield but doesn't have necessarily that same sort of lateral ability and you saw that's what really killed them against North Carolina was those, those outside runs 
Um, and Miami just has not really recruited a whole lot of uh, like new age, um, you know, sideline to sideline type linebackers. Um, I think, you know, Corey Flagg, I think showed some of that, but again, he's kind of an old school type of guy and, um, you know, Tyreek Austin Caves really got good speed, but we just haven't seen a lot. And Avery Huff has, I think, you know, really good athleticism too, but again, we haven't seen him a lot. Um, they don't have Nobody, an obvious guy who fits in, in modern football. Nobody stuck out. Yeah. Brad, Bradley Jennings did have, he had seven and a half tackles for loss. He had three sacks. Yeah, um, like that's what he does well, but that's like a situational thing. You can't build your defense around linebackers like that anymore. Right. I'm, it's going to be, um, it's going to be, it's going to be a little scary at first, I think. Yeah. <laughs> going against Alabama. I think it's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be, that's the one spot where I would have loved to see them like really get a big talent upgrade that they didn't get over the off season, like through the transfer portal or anything. And even the recruiting, I, class, they've got some guys I like, right. but um no, like guys who I view as like plug why, and play why do you think, guys. Why do you, David? Why do you think that is? I mean, I, you know, because for a while they were they had some, you know, a few years back, uh, they had really good, you know, recruits at linebacker, but it just hasn't been. Is there? You think well, I think Jonathan Packey is, you know, pretty young and inexperienced, and we haven't seen him recruited a super high level, and he's not a Florida guy, so he doesn't. You know, there were going to be some growing pains with him as a recruiter um, and kind of the same with Blake Baker, who, um, again, not a Florida guy, like a guy from the Texas, like Louisiana, that kind of area. Um, Manny was the linebackers recruiter. Right. And he got those three guys, Shaq, Pinckney, McLeod, and they rode them for four years, pretty much. Obviously, True. McLeod's still involved. Um and by the time that they needed to replace them, Manny, who was the linebackers recruiter, was the head coach. And that guy's just not as involved anymore. And, you know, again, I really like Avery Huff. He was awesome in high school. Um, I don't know. You know, he was uh-huh. almost an edge rusher or safety. Something. He was like, it was a really versatile guy that, that seems like he should fit modern football. We obviously haven't seen him yet. I would not be surprised if he has a big breakout year. But, yeah, I mean, they just – they didn't have – I mean – you see, you see kind of all over the defense, and that's so much of what Manny, I think, prioritized with rebuilding his defensive staff was they were not recruiting well basically across the board on defense um, other than, you know, they recruited safety as well. Efren Bondo was a really good recruiter. And they oh, yeah. recruited um, defensive linemen well, and you know, I think part of that is, you know, they obviously have had a lot of different defensive line coaches between Jess Simpson, Todd Stroud, back to Jess Simpson, even Craig Kuligowski before all that. Um, but so those guys, I think we're all pretty good recruiters to varying degrees. And there's just a lot of good defensive linemen in, in Florida. Like you, you're going to find some good ones there. And, and I think the Greg Rousseau thing helped sell them a lot, just how well they developed him. Um, yeah, they've got a, you look at, they hire Ishmael Aristide to, I was just gonna say, to be I was linebackers just coach. He's never been a coach before. Like they're hiring because they think he can be a really good recruiter. I'm sure they think he can be a good linebackers coach too, but. Well, we know he can do well as a recruit. Um, and I think they, right, they know right. they need to get better at that spot. And he's, yeah. And, and Ishmael uh, Aristide is, he's local. Yeah. And, uh, and, he, and he, he's, he, he plays a part. I mean, I think, I think that'll be really interesting to see what he can do. 
uh, defensively. And, and, you know, let's not forget also, even though it's not the out, it's not the, excuse me, linebacker per se, quote unquote position, but um, they do have some good strikers. Yeah. Um, so. Frierson, uh, Countra Smith was last year. Countra Smith. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that could help somewhat. So. Yeah. It'll be, inter- it'll be interesting to see if they do a little bit more, I don't know, like, could you play two strikers sometimes? Like, is that crazy? Like, if those two guys are way better and just have kind of one middle linebacker? Like, I think we, we might see, you know, I with Manny running the defense, are we going to get more creative? Are we going to do a little bit different? Whereas maybe and know, Blake maybe Baker afraid to do anything that diverged too much from, like, Manny's base defense? I don't know. They're going to play the I, – I would think he's going to play the best guys or find a way yeah. to get the best guys in at the same time. So that could happen, actually. Why not? Yeah. He wants the best guys. All right. Um, A couple more before we finish up here. Uh, Number three on my list, I've got uh, the Tyreek Stevenson question. Uh, Can he make that move to cornerback? I think we all know he's really talented. He had a really uh, good year. It's kind of like a striker safety kind of role at Georgia. Miami, though, desperate for help at cornerback. And Tyreek Stevenson, um, they're going to give him a shot there, and they they need him to be really good. Yeah, I think think he can and he will – and I think he's pumped up, uh, you know, to play here. And they have to, you know, w- without knowing um, how um, Al Blades is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who had to sit out after after COVID with, uh, was it myocarditis? Myocarditis, yeah. Yeah, with some heart issues. Um, we still don't know about him, Yep. Uh, you know, coming back. So, right, we haven't heard that he's definitely coming back. So, um, boy, I sure hope he is because yeah, I think he's good. And I think he's also um, super cane and, um, and a great kid. So uh, I, I think, yes, I think Tyreek Stevenson will, will fill the spot well. And he's happy to be back. He did, he did very well at Georgia. Um, he had, he had a, he had well 47 total tackles but he had 10 pass breakups yeah you know he was a former Southridge four-star guy uh did great right in the peach bowl he had the the, the game yeah the game saving play on defense in that game yeah and um and he's he's very happy to be back I think that was a good get I think UM gets really is doing great on their transfers you know yeah graduate transfers they're all their transfers um so I think uh, we have to see if Al Blades can come back. DJ Ivy um, was uh, DJ Ivy. Up sometime. and down, yeah. Yeah, really good. And sometimes, mm, um, and to Corey Couch. Yeah, it was kind of the breakout star last year. Love, so we'll, yeah, I love to Corey Couch. Role. I mean, yep. I Right, he's so good. He's he's a little fire plug, as a cliche. Yeah, he's got he's got the Takori count or not the uh, sorry the um uh who uh the, the Trajan Bandy thing going on, right? Oh, the Trajan Bandy. <laughs> like he reminds me of him. He's smaller. Yeah, he's they're built differently. He's a little bit like Trajan Bandy skinny was and, and yeah. Yeah, Trajan Bandy was thicker, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Takori, I think, probably has longer arms and is slimmer, certainly. But, but they've Takori- got the same. They play the same way where they're up in up in guys' faces and make plays at the line of scrimmage. And 
I love funny. to Corey. He's yeah. he's funny. He's 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 got a great personality, and he's really uh, invested in the game. Yes. I mean, plays right. He's so hyper. He's so. Uh, yeah, he's he doesn't like the Chihuahua nickname, but you can see why they think of him as that little Chihuahua. Oh, and he's good. He's going to do anything to yeah. to get that ball to get to go where it is. So he's. He's really he plays well above his uh what would you, his physique or I don't yeah, know he does yeah he's five yeah. eight but he plays like he's six two or something like that exactly so I mean I yeah, yeah. I think Tyreek's going to be a you know I I'm more worried about linebacker than yeah. I am what I what I like with the secondary is they're kind of like deep right like the, you know you trust like Al Blades would probably be a great number two cornerback DJ Ivy would probably be a great number two or number three cornerback. Um, to Corey Couch would probably be a great number two or number three. Like, I mean, nickel. I would guess he'll play a lot of nickel. Basically, will right. roll. Um, they need that number one guy though, and, and Tyreek is certainly like the most talented guy in that group. Um, again, he doesn't like kind of look like your typical quarterback. He's big and strong and looks like a safety. You know, I, I would say before mm-hmm. we started recording, he reminds me a little bit of Gilbert Frierson, um, who's a, you know another another kid kind of from down South Dade County, Southern Miami Dade County. Um, and was recruited to Miami as a cornerback, but was like kind of so big and physical that he made the move to striker and has, has obviously been really good as basically playing a linebacker spot now. He's so good. He's like so, the big, he's like the big decor couch. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be, it's interesting. Like I, I think Tyreek Stevenson, you know, he was a much higher ranked recruit than, than Gilbert was not that Gilbert was not highly ranked, but um, you know, Tyreek is really, really talented. Um I just, you know, he doesn't, like I said, he doesn't look like a cornerback. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what he, he does at that spot. If he can be a legit lockdown number one cornerback, first or second team all ACC type guy, mm-hmm. then right. that Miami defense is going to look a lot better than, than it did last year, I think. But yeah, I agree with you. The linebacker remains kind of the big picture biggest question, but I think Tyreek is the best chance to like take a leap from being a guy who was, you know, obviously not on the team last year, slash, you know, kind of looking at some of the guys who maybe didn't play a lot. He's the guy who could basically come out of nowhere, quote unquote, and be a like all conference type guy. So that that's kind of why he interests me. Um, yeah. Sticking in the secondary, um, another big interest thing I'm interested to see is, is just how good is Avante Williams? He was the top ranked recruit in that class of 2020. And we didn't see him at all because he had uh, some sort of health issue. I don't think we were ever told what it was. No, we were um, never told. Really interesting that we yeah. just we never knew. Yeah, but so um, didn't play at all last year. Um, right. not, not in this. Well, he wasn't there in the spring, I guess. But didn't practice. Didn't play. Um, but they said he will be there when practice starts on Monday. So uh, I'm interested to see him. That safeties group is is really good. Obviously, oh, the Bolden is, is a star. Um, Gervin Hall has been really solid. Mari, oh, yeah. Mari Carter brings a lot of experience. Um, so you know. They don't necessarily need Avante to be like plug and play, but I mean, he's, he's really talented. He's big and fat or he's fast and physical. And that's what Miami likes in their safeties. Right. And he's a, he's such a, like a high profile heralded kind of guy. People were so excited when they got him, they were sure he was going to go to Florida. Yeah. Everybody thought he was going to Florida. And I mean, when you have a guy that's the number of, I, I know he's smaller uh, than James Williams. Um, they're they're five star 
yep. guy. Incoming guy. In, yep. For this class, who's this major great player. Who is not here, who won't even be here on campus. When I talk about that great safeties group, he won't be there until the, the summer. Right. But he's, oh boy. But when yeah, he he'll is, play, he'll play. Their safeties are so darn good. And, and so Avanti was, I mean, so James Williams was the number one safety for the 2021 recruiting class. And mm-hmm. this, this young man, uh, Avante Williams was the number one safety for the 220 class, 2020 class. And I wrote in my story, I said, they could, they could have two number one Williams who are safeties on the field yeah. at the time. It's kind of cool, even though I don't think they're related, but, um, no, he's Avante is uh, Lorenzo Lingard's cousin. Ah, no wonder everybody thought he was going to Florida. Mm-hmm. No, I'm kidding. But um, anyway, yeah, I, I will be very interested to find out. I wonder what was what was wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, and, well, I'm sure we'll talk to him at some point. It'll be interesting if he opens up about whatever it was. Yeah, because um, that's kind but, of weird. They just yeah. did. He had a medical. I wonder, you know. I wonder if um, I don't. Well, I don't. I don't even know. Like I was saying, myocarditis, but it was early on, right? Because it was uh, yes. Issues were flagged during a 2020 preseason exam, um, but that that's who knows. I don't want to say the uh, say the COVID word because who knows? I have yeah, no. Knows? Idea. Yeah, but it seems it was an off field. It was not a like. Well, I don't want to say not football related because it could have been like concussions or something like yeah, that. But it, it was not, it wasn't yeah. something like he got hurt in a workout or something. And no, like, it seemed like a, yeah, right. It seemed like a longer term. Yeah. It didn't seem like a quote unquote injury. I don't know. Yeah. I just, that sense. So we'll, we'll see. And, um, you know, we'll just yeah. see how he is because he's been off for a long, you know, to take a year mm-hmm. off. He's been working out the whole time. Yeah. I'm, getting larger, lifting, doing all that stuff. But, um, you know, when you don't play, I, you know, I don't yeah. know how long it takes to catch up. Yeah. He's a, and I think he's a different guy than, than James Williams too, which is, I think makes them a good pairing together. Whereas James Williams, you know, he's six, five, like looks like a defensive end. And he's like, kind of, he likes to think of himself as a ball hawk. Like he's got the ranginess to like cover a lot of the field. He is good in the box guy too. Like, Obviously, you know, he could be a, a striker, like if it didn't work out at safety for him and be really good. Whereas I think Avante, he's got that. He's like, he's like a bowling ball. He's like a thumper. He's a six foot. He's listed on the roster. I think at like six foot 190 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, six foot 190, 180 and probably bigger, like you're saying, because he's, oh, he's, yeah, he's bigger. Um, yeah. And he's, I remember at Paradise Camp a couple of years ago, I think he was either the fastest man when they did the fastest man competition or like top two or top three. Uh, uh-huh. So, you know, he's, he's got that speed. I think he's a guy who can make plays downhill. I think there might be a little bit like the Jaquan Johnson Rover type role to him where he's a guy who can like run around and make hits. He's maybe not like a deep safety. Uh, but I think he, he pairs well with James Williams and, and he actually reminds me a little bit of, um, Cameron Kinchins, who's the other, the big safety recruit in this class. Um, but again, we haven't seen him. And, you know, he's from DeLand. Like, I didn't really see him play much in high school either. Um, I, he was at IMG for a little bit. So I think I saw him play when he was like a sophomore. But, yeah, I haven't seen him play in a long time. And, and same goes for a lot of South Florida media, obviously. Um, let's finish with uh, one. Uh, I just mentioned Cameron Kinchins. But is there a breakout freshman 
on the defensive side of the ball. You've got your eyes on it. As I mentioned, you know, Leonard Taylor and James Williams, who I think both will play a lot. Uh, as oh, yeah. They're not, are not here. Um, but there are some other interesting guys. Um, I don't know. Anyone catch your eye? I think Cameron Kinchins is interesting. But, again, that safety room is deep. Um, guy I kind of look oh. at is Chase Smith, another striker in there, another deep uh-huh. striker. But Yeah, Chase Smith. Uh He's an interesting athlete. He played like wide receiver, defensive end, and safety in high school. So, like, he's a... yeah. I'm, I'm going to throw out a linebacker. I have no idea. I have, haven't seen these guys. Deshaun Troutman. Troutman's pretty good. Um, I saw him play twice in the last two years because uh, he they he went to Edgewater up in Orlando and they played St. Thomas Aquinas in the state championship back to back years. He's a little smaller than I expected. Um, like I remember the first he is small he's small I mean he's 200 pounds and 6'1 yeah but again like like you're saying that linebacker group is it's a wide open competition Um, he's really really productive for Edgewater who's a really good team like their number one wide receivers going to Alabama like it's not like they're just some random team like they're a powerhouse up there in central Florida Um, his junior year when he was not committed to Miami so I wasn't paying attention to him as much in the game they like lost on the final play of the game to St. Thomas Aquinas. It would have been a massive upset. He played mm-hmm. really well in that game. This last year, Aquinas kind of blew him out. And uh, I don't know, he was kind of didn't do too much. But again, just the fact he's a linebacker makes him worth mentioning because as we said earlier, who the hell is going to play a linebacker? Like we just have no idea. Well, uh, what about uh, Jabari Ishmael? Yeah, he's, uh, well, he's not yeah. early enrolling, right? Oh, uh, yeah. and you know what? Wow, he's six six two eleven. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely in that um, Gregory Rousseau mold. Like, yeah, I bet he's kind of, I mean, thin, very thin. Yeah, I mean, so was Greg when he came in, but obviously Greg was an early enrollee, and that made a big yeah, difference. But he was a consensus four star guy. I oh yeah, as far as spring goes, I they don't. Have, there's not a lot of. There's a lot of offensive guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not as much on defense. I mean, that we're that we're looking at, but it's going to be so important, though. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I look at. Um, I, I think Troutman is a good one to mention because, again, just the position probably gives him the best chance to get on the field. Maybe Thomas Davis too. Um, defensive. Yeah, I was thinking freshman, of him. You know, undersized guy, but if you like talk to people in Georgia, like he's kind of one of those. The same way, like, I think Xavier Restrepo down here, like, if you just talk to people who watched him in high school, they're like, that kid is, like, a freak, even though he's not – doesn't have the rankings and the size and all that. I think Thomas Davis kind of falls in that category. They like to find guys like that. I think Corey Flagg was in that that same sort of mold. Um, To me, I'm interested to see Chase Smith, I think. I don't think he's going to play necessarily a lot this year because, again, they got Frierson and and Keontra ahead of him. But I just think he is – Kind of a forgotten guy. He's from um, like Melbourne, Florida. So he's kind of like in no man's land in terms of like media coverage, right? Like he's not in a major market. Um, and again, he was like a wide receiver and, and defensive end in high school. So he's playing kind of a new position, but he's got like all the athletic tools to fit. And his uh, dad is um, Willie Smith, Miami's first ever All-American tight end. So well, tight end, right, yeah. right. So, yeah, that's. That's neat. Yeah. So another another Kane's legacy here, as as you'd like to point out, it's been mixed uh, mixed bag with the Kane's legacies. Yeah, mostly not always great. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what he can do, and 
you know, a lot, I think a lot of these guys, when you talk about the Canes legacies, I think a lot of it's, you got to have the patience, right? Like he's behind two really good strikers just because he gets on the field his freshman year. He might, uh, he, it might take him a little while to get on, but he's a guy I think could like really, I wouldn't be surprised if he like makes a couple big plays in the spring game and we get to see him um, finally in person. All right. I think we can wrap up there and that wraps up our uh, spring football preview. It is uh, we are like, 72 hours away for i guess for, but when people listen to this from from spring football starting pretty exciting yeah, starting monday but it's all david it's all zoom again i know i know it's a little it feels like if we were like two months later like if it was summer football like we might be able to see it but we're, we're just still waiting on those vaccines to get in everyone's arms exactly and all right then- i think uh we can wrap things up there uh you can follow susan on Twitter at S Miller Degnan. Um, she wrote a big story about Jake Garcia uh, to advance uh, spring practice. I actually haven't had a chance to look at it as, the, as of right when we were recording this. Uh, what's your favorite detail you learned about Jake Garcia talking to him and his dad and his family and his coaches? Uh, I don't know. I, it, that he sleeps with his football. <laughs> yeah. He's, <laughs> he's like a kid who's all about football. Even though he's got yeah. like the pretty boy looks and all that, and uh, <laughs> and the uh, like big social media presence, he's all about football. Is is the, the yeah, sense I got and, uh, at him? An interesting, interesting family. You know, father was a retired LAPD, and um, in charge of like Vice Squad and Narcotics Squad. Miami Vice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and there, and there's Mexican heritage in there, um, grandparents or whatever. And so, so, but Jake doesn't speak Spanish, but dad said he spoke broken Spanish. His mother is fluent. Mm -hmm. He's interesting. Uh, and, um, just, uh, he's very into everything. Right. I'm really interested to see uh the quarterbacks i know this is defense but um yeah i mean that's definitely the biggest storyline going into the spring is these the next generation of miami quarterbacks we're getting our our first look at um yeah so you can follow susan on uh twitter like i said and check out that story uh it is already up on uh, miamiherald.com and will be in print on monday is that the plan uh something like uh, that Possibly before that, I think Sunday. Sunday. Check it out on the Sunday paper if you're uh, still into that kind of thing. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at DBWilson2. I've been uh, starting to cover the Panthers a little bit um, with them now getting near the midpoint of the season. um, And And Marlins. Biggest surprises. I helped out of Marlins a little bit. And I also was at an Under Armour All-America camp uh, over the weekend. So I've been kind of – having some stories trickle out off talking to some recruits there. Uh, so oh, wait, 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 up. how did, how did Manny's son look? I honestly, I didn't really get to see the linebackers because just like I was talking <laughs> to a lot of the defensive linemen and like the timing didn't work out well, but um, yeah, Manny Diaz is there and got, got to look at a bunch of recruits for the first time in really a long time. So I'm sure he appreciated that. Um, yeah. So let's uh, finish up there and we will be back uh, next week to talk about some Football practice, some real football practice. Actual football, that'll be fun. Yeah. Thanks as always uh, for listening and we will talk to you guys then.